Right now, a future president could be running as a local candidate on your ballot. This person is vying to represent you, your family, and your community. Do you know what they are and what they stand for? Vote411.org is your tool for accurate and unbiased, up-to-the-minute election information on the candidates running in local races. Just enter your address to get started. Your vote is your power, the power to decide who represents you in 2022 and beyond. Get online, get the facts, and make your voice heard on election day. This is uh, Mac Lumen. Did you just try to call me? Yes, I did. Sorry about that. No worries. Okay, what do we do here? Well, uh, let's get right into it. Uh, we're already recording right now. So if you could tell our listeners at home and uh, people out there trying to educate themselves on the election who you are and what you're running for. Okay, my name is... Uh, Clyde McLean Lumen. Uh, when I go by Mac, so most of my signs out there say Mac. My email or my website is mac808.com. Um, I live in Manoa. What else would you want to know? Do you want to know? Uh, what office you're running for? Oh, I'm running for governor. Fantastic. Well, uh, uh, our folks at home are still trying to, to learn the ways and the ins and outs. So you're actually our second gubernatorial candidate we're interviewing here. And so just before we, we cut into things, we're asking some of our heavy hitter candidates, uh, like, what is it that you think is essential to your office and how your how the office of the governor uh, is supposed to operate on behalf of the public? Well, my opinion is that, uh, well, my purpose in running for governor is because I want to uh, have an influence on the direction of the state. I mean, what happens within the state, uh, I would participate in to the extent of my uh, position, but what I'm 
more interested in is the state itself and uh, survival of the people and uh, creating a vision that is bigger than the components that we now live on. You know, we all uh, have many different uh, ethnic groups here, cultures, and uh, we need to become one people. My biggest concern for the future, besides climate change, is food supply. Uh, Hawaii, as you know, imports 70, 80% of its food, and we need to reverse that so we grow 70, 80%. And so that's my number one cause is, uh, is, is that creating a food supply for us, for the country, for the state, being able to feed ourselves in an emergency. And we always go outside to buy different products, especially, especially grains, but um, we can grow food to survive if we have to. And with climate change, the things that are happening on the mainland, with water supplies, and California's drying up, uh, the, the, the table water, the groundwater is uh, diminishing, declining, and uh, we need to manage our water here, we need to manage our Agricultural land is number one priority in my mind. Um, also, uh, so my first suggestion is to put in uh, like garden boxes. Everyone should have a garden box. We have them here where I live. I don't know if they're, I'm sorry they're out working in the yard right now. But um, garden boxes, about four by eight. There, there. They're filled up with. Um, corner bricks and use two by eight to build them up and you can manage your soil, you can control your soil much better in a box and you can just uh, on the ground. On the ground a lot of your nutrients will run off and uh, the box will mostly run down into the, the lower soil which is not going to hurt, it's going to help. So I'm about garden boxes, I'm also about <clears throat> turning grass yards into gardens and about planting fruit trees, more fruit trees, 10, 20,000 more fruit trees on the islands. I support uh, trade schools. I would like to see boat building happening, like sailboats. I would like to prepare for a situation, not that uh, it would happen, but for a situation where we don't have uh, the, the grid system that we all rely on, you know, like shipping relies on uh, electronics. Everything relies on electronics, so I think they need to be prepared for the worst. You know, as they say, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. And uh, for those, uh, that's part of my uh, agenda. Also, I'm I'm very disappointed how the island, how the island is, there's so much garbage on the islands. Like I go to a lot of parks and the parks, you look at the ground and the grass, there's cigarette butts, bottle caps, paper wrappers. Uh, it's really atrocious. And, you know, I look at it, compare it to like cleaning your house or cleaning your car. You always feel better when your house is clean, your car is clean. And when your house and everything is a mess and dirty, 
it's depressing and it drags you down. So, so it's psychologically, it's very uplifting. So I would like to organize and keep things, uh, keep, keep the islands clean. That would be a focus. And, uh, you know, like I go to a lot of the parks, like I said, and, uh, these garbage cans, they put plastic inside and then the wind comes along, the plastic comes out and blows things around and uh, it's a mess. So, so that's my thing, food. And food is freedom. As long as we rely on food supply from the mainland, uh, we're prisoners to that. I, I support a, a more independent Hawaii state or nation. I prefer a nation, actually, but um, there's a lot to that. That's very complicated, take time. But I think Hawaii uh, can be of greater service to themselves, to the United States, and to the entire world. Uh, if they're a nation, and they can control our own destiny rather than having to rely on tourism and, you know, we're at like a tourist attraction and a surfing destination or tourist destination, a surfing attraction. But the islands, in my opinion, have much more value and importance than, than that. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Yes, I, I got you. Uh, so a really, really good coverage there in the beginning. Um, I would have to say, um, do you, do you have anything? Cause we, uh, quite a few constituents, uh, across the, across the States are, are really worried now about not only, um, the, the homeless problem, but, uh, the drug epidemic as well. Do you have anything in your program for that? Well, uh, not anything in depth. I mean, the drug problems, drugs are a symptom, in my opinion. And uh, I think that there's a lot of unhappiness. You know, I mean, we, we need to change that. And, I, and my ideas on homelessness are a little extreme. I, first of all, I do not agree with these private schools we have, like Giuliani uh, and uh, Mid-Path and Punahou and even Kamehameha, they're all elitist-driven, you know? They create divisiveness. And uh, I find that very troubling because so that splits the island up into groups of ideologies. And, uh, you know, and I, uh, on my blog, I say as a sample test, you know, compare and contrast racism to elitism. You know, if you just remove the color aspect of racism, it's pretty much the same thing. You know, the people that go to, my concern is as much for the people that don't go, that aren't able to go to the private schools, the expensive schools, and, uh, you know, the feelings of being less than, you know, in, in, with the, around those of the kids, children that go to the you know, private schools, uh, they're looked down upon, and they feel it. And, and I don't know how how that is so. It seems to be so ignored here. But I'm uh, I'm really against that. I'm for bringing people, all the people together, human race first, 
all the other cultures underneath, they could all have their traditions and their practices. But first of all, people need to be mindful that we are all part of the human race. And with what's happening in the climate change and the, and the world breaking down into chaos, which has to do with population, in my opinion, we have uh, where I think we're going to hit 8 billion this year. Yes, but aren't we also misusing all of the landmass space and concentrating on too many metropolitan areas and not supplementing towards rural regions? How do you mean? Well, I mean, yes, we, we are overpopulated, but if you were to, per se, uh, just take the used landmass per capita against the population density of the world and redistribute, we wouldn't be out of space. It's really, it's it's a management issue. And then I also think going back to the to uh, the private school programs, I, I think at the heart of those, what the biggest issue was that, you know, those were initially instituted under the monarchy as programs for everybody. Those were uh, initially socialist constructs under the monarchy, and then they were adopted by colonials and then turned into elitist academies, and we've been trying to turn them out of that. Yeah, well, very interesting. I didn't know those details. I mean, I did. I do remember reading something about that a long time ago. I mean, Punahou was essentially it was essentially like no different than you know, like Oxford is to to Britain in the beginning when we were a monarchy. So that was, a, I mean, that was a finishing school accessible to anybody who could get to that point, and many people scholarshiped in. I mean, my grandmother was a, a child of Napili living on a farm selling land in order to go to Kamehameha school. So, I mean, and that really is what changed her life as a Hawaiian, was being able to get that education. Well, I think the public education, my, my idea is one public school system, Kamehameha school system, Kamehameha public schools, and uh, with all the administrators with all, from all the schools, I'm not trying to, I don't want to eliminate anybody. I want people to come together under one uh, one system, you know? Hmm. And uh, I just think that's healthier. Uh, you know, For I think the children work things out amongst them, you know, whether, you know, you have different friendships and people, different people resonate differently with each other. And when you divide them up and you put these kids over here and they're special because they're Punahou and this over here because they're Mid-Pak and these over here because they're Kamehameha, you know, they all try to make those, each one of those institutions tries to make themselves special and, and the children special. And they do, but it, it, it kind of eliminates the general population of students, you know. I mean, it's something that can't be done overnight, but I think it's, uh, I don't think it's helpful. And the world, we're in crisis. I mean, I'm talking about 8 billion. And you might have, you know, if you redistribute it, redistribute things like we're talking about uh but that's not practical i mean everybody how is that not practical i I mean the united states excuse me for a second there but how is that not practical the united states government practices that on a regular basis through tourism boards and housing commissions by using television to advertise moving to other states every day I mean, people in Missouri are advertised moved to California. Californians are advertised moved to Portland, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, moving people en masse to uh, change the balance of, of populations and economies has been done in America since the birth of advertising in the 20s. Oh, well, maybe. I just haven't really, you know, considered that. I'll have to think about it more. But uh, I don't know that, you know, in the long run, 
how much that's going to help you. They got 40 million people in California. Look what's happening there every summer. You know, fires is just part of the program. And uh, I think people uh, doomsay the fires of California way too much. I mean, it's someone who had to spend their formative youth there because their grandfather was stationed at the military bases. Um, I mean, maybe one epic fire in my entire lifetime that really did crazy stuff. And then before that was the Honda fire in the 70s. But I think outside of earthquakes and fires, I think the general American perception of California is a little whack uh, in that department. So you're saying which way? You're saying there's, there, are you saying there fires are overrated? They're saying it's too much of a problem? Or? It's not. It's not a huge problem. I think that that that's that's a. That's kind of a hyperbolized talking point for people. I mean, it's not like, I mean, we live with it the same way the Midwest gets tornadoes. I mean, people in yeah. Nebraska are like, yeah, it's a tornado. Like, what of it? I mean, we get even less fires than they get tornadoes. And people aren't crying about people in Raton, Oklahoma, losing their entire street. I mean, we become desensitized to the tornado alley. I mean, yeah. people literally choose. I mean, I, I lived in Missouri for a couple of years. You literally choose your apartment based upon how old the foundation brick is because you know it's not going to get swept away. Well, yeah. I mean, those are factors that you got to take into account all the time. I'm not saying that, you know, everybody needs to move out of California or move to. I don't know. But I know that it's getting worse. Like the fires are going to start earlier. They burn longer. Uh, you know, like that town of uh, Paradise. I had a friend there. I haven't heard from her in three years. You know, I don't know if she survived it. And I was in California when uh, the the freeway was burning on, you know, in Red along Redding, California. And I was coming back from Portland, going back to uh, Nevada City, where I have a group I hang out with, the yoga community. And uh, uh, we had to take a. They diverted us down through Reno because couldn't get through the, the freeways burning but when i came across uh the, the siskiyous mm -hmm. the freeway was burned on both sides as far as you could see yeah you know and and it's controlled but um i mean it's somewhat controlled but it's a it's just getting becoming a worse worse problem Even it's a here, much smaller season than people make it out to be I think that like non-Californians really don't understand that conversation, and I think you may actually have to go educate yourself a little bit more. So it's it it's definitely not as I mean I I was in the thick of it in '08 and '09 driving trucks with friends who worked in Cal Fire straight into towns, saving horses, pulling them out, and I can tell you as someone who's grown up around the problem, it's yeah. not as doomsaying as you may be intending it to be, or I don't know if you're intending it to be, but California is more well off than the rest of the country. I mean, it supplies nearly 70% of the food supply chain, which, like, in most cases is more than everybody eats because America throws it away. Also, if you took California separate from the entire country, last time I checked in census, it could sit as the world's fourth largest economy if it's separated from the United States. So, I mean, I'm a Republican, and I'm against most of the people sitting in office in California, but... It really sits in one of those economic areas of like, why why are we stressing about California when the rest of the Midwest is crying and dying? Well, I mean, it's just because that's what, what people look at. I mean, the Midwest is crying and dying for sure. But the, uh, the California situation, I have to disagree with you because I, you know, I look at property down there because I like the area and I was looking at property on a lake that's uh, uh, north of uh, Nevada City, you know, and it was a, it was a lot. It was very inexpensive, like twenty five, thirty thousand dollars. 
uh, but one of the state, this was during the winter, and it said the, the water supplies from uh, wells, and the, and the statement from the community was, you have to stop using water because our wells are drying up. You know, when your groundwater goes, that's the biggest problem, is when your groundwater goes, everything becomes becomes, becomes unstable, and it can turn into a desert. I was there when, uh, when San Jose was burning. Well, and a lot of that comes from diverting the California aqueduct. I mean, we have too many corporate, like, if you really wanted to fix a California problem with water, it's not too far away from the Hawaii problem with water. You have too many special interests in control of land that's in control of territories that lead to the outlet or source of water. And those people end up making lobbying demands against the usage of water. I mean, that's why 10 years ago, everybody was so upset with Nestle in California, because they have the ability to divert. That's why, you know, that's why we only say the big five. I mean, if I'm going to say it, go ahead and say it. But like, you know, the Baldwins and stuff like that on Hawaii is our problem here is that, I mean, we're not running out of water. We have tons of it, but 99% of it is owned by people that sublet it to corporations before they let it to the people. I mean, the Maui Valley goes clay and brown before it goes green, yet we watch as you know, everything that's connected to Iao at the source is green every day for the tourists. And we know very well how that water is diverted because we're watching as people are fighting for those water rights to divert those caps and unleash the water back to the people. So, I mean, in order to solve that problem with your water table issues in California, it's much, it's not too far away from the water problems here in Hawaii. Well, I just don't know enough about that. I have to look into it, but it's just a, a top, it's a, it's a concern. It's a priority. Water is a priority. Just like food is a priority, you know? Food Absolutely. Bro. Is, food is freedom. It is agreed. I can absolutely agree on that one. Food is freedom. Well, um, we've actually gone on quite a lot. And I will have to say that I've had the most interesting conversation with you compared to some of the other candidates so far. This was the least one-sided convo. I liked that there was space. There was something for me to want to really ask a question about. So my next question to you is, can I have you back on in a few weeks or a month so we can check on your campaign and see how your mana'o has grown in your research for running for governor? Sure. Awesome. Sure, awesome. Awesome. So in the couple minutes we have left in our segment today, could you please once again tell everybody how to follow you, uh, how to support you, how to, you know, where you're going to be analog next or online, whether it's a virtual committee meeting or a little uh, community engagement tour throughout the islands, where you stay? Well, unfortunately, I don't have any of those uh, community things uh, planned, but uh, you can look at my website. Like on my signs, I don't promote myself. I promote my website, Mac. 808.com. It's very simple. And uh, I wrote a lot of things in there. I wrote about the Republican Party. You might look at that. <laughs> we'll have something to talk about next time. Absolutely. But, As someone who feels like a stranger in his own party most days, I love yeah. talking with everybody left or right because. As a conservative moderate, I feel like the odd kid out these days. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do. Well, especially here in Hawaii, where you know most everybody is a Democrat. But yeah. if you look at when you go to my website, uh, read the homepage because there's a lot of statistics on there, and uh, and then go to on the right on the dashboard. It says more. If you click on more, Republicans uh, comment an essay on Republicans and. Uh, and then also my blog, I update, I put things on my blog 
regularly, you know, so that's kind of, and I kind of shorten, like I wrote pages and pages. And so I've sort of put the pages, write a pic, put, take a picture of something, put a paragraph, but I try to take a lot of stuff in the body of my uh, website and turn it into a blog, you know, a photograph and a, and a, and a paragraph rather than, you know, pages of stuff because as you know, people don't like to read a lot. Oh, yeah. No, the most unnerving statistic you can ever know in your life is that your average person reads less than 11% of every article they're shown. And that usually means that they only read the headline. They look at the picture. They look at the uh, picture's first caption. And they read about eight lines into the first period. And they're done. Yeah, no, I believe that. I didn't yeah. know that statistic, but <laughs> I'm sure. So that, well, that's why without knowing that i uh, i expanded my blog like yeah. i have 25 photographs on there and try to keep it in a, a, a just a paragraph and because uh, a picture and a paragraph are easy whereas my like my essay on publicans is a little more difficult awesome. Awesome, awesome. Well, definitely, I'm going to take a look at it. We'd love to know more about you in the future. We will definitely catch up and talk story more. Loved hearing from you today, Mac. Great okay. time. Mahalo. Okay, mahalo. Thank you very much. You have a wonderful day. Aloha. Aloha. <gasps> Rabbit Holes is a Manavakal production. This episode was produced by Kitika Hoke and Sarah Rodriguez. Make sure to subscribe and follow on your favorite podcast platforms to add our weekly episodes to your queue.